Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. I want to welcome you. I know I've already done that a couple of times, but if you kind of came in late or you've just joined us maybe online or something, and today's going to be a little bit different from our normal Sundays. We're going to kind of go off piece a little bit in, uh, in, in our format and, and how, what I want to bring to you. But I want to kind of open it up by saying there are some really big questions that we have to answer in our life, right? Uh, like one of mine is, where do all the odd socks go? Like, is there anybody else that says, what on earth? How is that possible? Anyway... And here's another one. When you're at the cinema, which is your armrest? You ever, you ever wondered about that? Some of you. Both of them are mine. No, they're not. One of them is yours. Which one is? But here's a really, really big question. Is there a God? And I, I'm aware that some of you, maybe here or online or, or catching up later or in a location, you may not have answered that question for yourself. We have over 55 people on Alpha right now thinking about that question, which is amazing. But if you suppose that the answer is yes, that there is a God, the next question, if, if there is a God, can we know Him? So like, can we have a personal relationship with Him or do we just know Him notionally? Like, um, like I know King Charles, notionally. I know a lot about him, I don't know him experientially. Because if the answer to this is yes, the next question we're going to ask, I think, is this. If we can know Him, why do others seem to know Him better than I do? And I think, if we're really honest, many of us believe this. Like we look around, maybe if you've been in church for a little bit, or, you know, and you look around, you think, everyone else gets this. I don't really get it. Like I don't kind of feel it in the same way that I think they feel it. If we can know God personally, if there is a God and we can know Him personally, why is it that others seem to know Him a little bit better than I do? And um, what, what I want to do is I want to kind of open up something for you, which I discovered years ago, and I brought it here before, but a long time ago. And this is going to be a refresher for some of you. But for some of you who are exploring God for the first time, this could be liberating. For many of you who have recently become followers of Jesus, I think this is going to be really helpful. And to the rest of us who maybe have been following Jesus for a long time, I'm hoping that this is going to be fresh and maybe just a reminder to you of something really important. You see, knowing God is the foundation for a life. It really is. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 15. I am the vine, you are the branches. There's this image of this tree if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And Jesus didn't mean apart from me, you can do nothing. He meant you can do nothing that really lasts. You can do nothing in terms of the life of God. We have to remain in Him. And as we get to know Him, He brings His life in us and through us. The Christian life is not about you trying harder. It's about us learning to live in relationship with Him so that His life in us comes through us. We don't live the Christian life. Only one person has lived the Christian life effectively and successfully, and that's Jesus. And so is Him living His life in us and through us? The problem is, and the big question is, how? How do we do that? And over the last 2,000 years, the church has discovered various things that have helped us. If you go back to the Middle Ages, it was ritual and sacrament. And then the Reformation came along and there was a rediscovery in the power of the Bible and doctrine and theology. And then people like the Anabaptists came along and they talked about the inner reality. 
And then the Salvation Army and people like that came along in the 1800s and they said, actually, when you serve the poor and, and, and you reach into the poor, that's when you're really gonna get to know God. And then in the 1900s, the Pentecostal movement swept the planet and it was the work of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are great. They're all great and they're all important, but we need to remember one thing and it's this. We are all unique. There's only one way to God, that's through Jesus. There's loads of ways to Jesus. There's loads of ways you and I can get to know Jesus. We are all unique. Just look at the person next to you. They're unique, aren't they? And when I say unique, I don't mean unique, as in like we're using that word unique because we really want to say something else. But we are all unique and we're all so individual. Let me give you an example. A couple of weeks ago, I'm sat at home and a message came through on Messenger from someone in the church that I know. I won't, I won't name this person. I have asked permission, but I'm not going to name her anyway. And it was a picture of a cute little bunny with hearts all over the place. I'm like, that's nice. Then a few minutes later, she sent a message. Oops, sorry, wrong person. <laughs> she meant to send that to someone else. I'm so glad I got that message. Otherwise, I'd be left thinking, she really doesn't know me at all, does she? Like a cute little bunny and hearts. That's doing nothing for me. I'm sure it was doing something for the person she sent it to. It's not right or wrong. Well, it is. No, it's not right or wrong. It's just different. We're all so unique. The Bible puts it this way, I love these verses in Psalm 139. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. You might not feel that today, but that's what God says about you. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. God knows us. Every single one of us is unique. I, I, as I came, I came down last night, um, I, wanted, I asked Andy if, if, if they were ready for my rap uh, at that point in the, in the whole uh, thing last night. And, and for some reason, he said, I don't think we'll ever be ready for that. Um, but that's, that's their missing out as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, I came in last night and as I wandered around, seeing 700 young people connecting with God and it was so inspiring. But then I went away thinking, but every single one of them are unique. Every single one of them are unique with a story and a makeup and they were woven together. And, and as I walked around, some were struggling. They weren't all jumping up and down. Some were in little side rooms, some were being you know, helped by other people around the case. And I thought all of them have a unique individual story. And my prayer as I left was that all of them would know that they are unique and would know that they can have a unique relationship with God through Jesus by the Holy Spirit. And around 30 years ago, I read this book uh, called Sacred Pathways by Gary Thomas. And in it, he talks about nine ways to connect with God. Uh, and, and what he, call, he calls them almost like spiritual pathways. I'm not gonna give you all nine. I'm gonna give you seven today that I've kind of put in our, in, my, in our own language and hopefully we'll position it for you. And what I wanna do is, is take you through these seven pathways. This is more of a workshop than a preach today, okay? A, a little bit different. Let me give you a few caveats before we start. Some of you are already switching off. Because you'll think, oh, okay, I know where we're going. Myers-Briggs, Enneagram, DISC, Strength Finders, Colours. Hate all that stuff. I don't want to be put in a box. This isn't to put you in a box. This is to liberate you. This is to see some of the uniqueness that God has put in you, okay? Caveat number two, this is not definitive, all right? So don't get too intensely hung up about it, okay? Number three, you will probably resonate with more than one 
and that's okay. But there will be one or two of these that you resonate with and you say, that's me. And I hope and pray that by the end of our time together, you go away thinking, wow, I am made in the image of God and I can know God through my unique pathways. Are we up for that? So I'm gonna give you um, a brief description of each pathway, a Bible character, okay, that just earths it into the Bible, some way that you can strengthen that pathway, a caution for you and how you can stretch and grow in your relationship with God. I hope this is helpful for those of you who are checking out God, okay, because you think, well, if I'm gonna check, if I'm gonna have to do my, the God thing like these guys are doing, I'm not, that's not really me. That's all right, you don't have to do it like that because you're you and God knows that. For those of you who have recently become followers of Jesus, I hope this is liberating. And for the rest of us who've been doing this a long time, I hope this is a reminder as well. So we're going to look at our first one. I'm going to sit down because I'm old. And uh, the first one is relational, the relational pathway. So if this is you, you just love being with people all the time. Like for you, okay, solitude feels like solitary confinement, Right? Someone said, I've got to be on my own for an hour. I can't cope. You just love being with people. When someone says, shall we pray? Your instant reaction is, who with? You're turning around to look for someone. And when you get in a huddle with other people, you experience God. That's okay. That's how God has made you. An example of this in the Bible would be Peter. Peter was not just one of the 12 with Jesus. He was one of the three that hung around with Jesus. All of the big moments in Peter's life were when other people were involved. Peter was relational. That's all right. That is who you are. A way to strengthen that would be to have a relationally rich life. And when you have a relationally rich life, leverage that for the kingdom of God. In other words, don't just hang around with your people, okay, and your friends. Say, hey, as we hang together, let's pray together. Let's read the Bible together. As you lean into that, you will experience more of God. You will abide in the vine more and more. But you know, the caution for you, and I would say this, is you need to be aware that sometimes you have a lot of relationships that can all go superficial if you're not careful. So within all of that relational, relational thing, make sure you have some people in your life who know you enough to tell you the truth and who love you enough to tell it you. Okay, that's so, so important. Be intentional with a few. I remember years and years ago, a young adult in our church, uh, he came to me and said, I just don't get this praying and reading the Bible. He says, I, I open the Bible every day, I read it and I try and pray and it just doesn't do anything. And I thought, and I looked at him and I thought, I won't say his name, but I said, hey, you're a relational guy, aren't you? Like, you love being with people. He said, yeah, I do. I said, so why are you doing that on your own? Why don't you find a few other friends and say, hey, can we read the Bible together? And he came back a few weeks later and he said, it's amazing. He said, when I read the Bible with other people, it's not boring. It comes alive. Why? Because he's got a relational pathway. You need to lean into that. But be cautious of just having superficial relationships. Now, the way you can stretch your relationship with God is to develop a capacity for silence and solitude. So lean into who you are, but also stretch with who you're not, okay? And just, just try it for a few minutes on your own without anybody else, and then stretch it to a half an hour or an hour, and you will experience, I think, God's presence. So that's relational. The second one, and as you're tracking through this, by the way, there is an assessment form on your, on your, on your seats, on your table, on your seats, which will help you to discern who you are. And those in our locations, you should have one of these as well. Online, um, 
Someone will put it in the chat right now. It's a, it's a downloadable thing on our website, on our homepage as well. The second one is intellectual. Some of you are intellectual, aren't you? Don't want to admit it, but you are, okay? And, and you draw, yes, Andy, you draw near to God when you think, when you read, when you study, and when you debate. You can't understand others who just feel it and who sense it. And you look at them and you think, you're weird. They're not weird, they're just different. And the Bible says we are to love God with all of our, help me, with our mind, as well as with our soul, our heart and our strength. But you know, when other people are feeling it and sensing it, you're asking, where's the steak? Right, like you're feeling it and you're sensing it, but I want some meat here because you are intellectually wired. Your mind gets it and your heart can catch up but you don't do small talk very easily. You want to go right into the deep end. When you get into a group discussion, you want to go right deep early on. An example in the Bible would be the Apostle Paul. The Bible says that before he was a follower of Jesus, he was a Pharisee. He was a student and a rabbi of the Jewish law. Historians, even who aren't Christians, say Paul probably is one of the greatest academic minds that's ever lived. He was hugely, hugely intellectual. The way to strengthen this for you is to keep studying. Don't leave all your studying in the past. Keep studying, keep reading. Find others that can sharpen you and encourage you and spur you on. Um, this, uh, the caution for you is, is beware the danger of being judgy of others, okay? Being judgy of maybe the expressive, emotional people. You can be a little bit like that at times. We need to be careful of that. Also, the danger for some of you guys is you can end up in a place where you're all head and no heart. You know, the purpose of knowledge, the Bible says knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. The purpose of more knowledge is so that we love God more. We're to love God with all of our mind, not just to fill our mind with stuff about God. You know, we can get the Bible right. And if we get love wrong, we're wrong. So beware the danger of just wanting to be right all the time. We can be right and be wrong at the same time. Hope that makes sense. The way you can stretch is to give yourself to the worship experience. Now I know everything's worship, but even the song worship experience, you know, because for, for many of you, you, you know, when, when, when kind of like, like the, the emotional worshipy people are saying, sing it again, sing it again, you're saying, really? You've already sung that twice, that's enough. Right, can we move on now? I've got it. It's holy. Okay, I've, I've got it. Hallelujah. Yeah, we've sung it 15,000 times. Let's move on. That's you. I want to say, as a stretch, give yourself to the worship experience. It's so, so important. Number three is the serving pathway. You love to help others and you rarely sit still. You're uncomfortable doing nothing. You're kind of wired in such a way that, what can I do? What can I do? How can I help? How can I serve? You don't always have to be asked to help. You just want to help others. And that's a brilliant, brilliant pathway. All of these are amazing. A Bible character would be a lady called Dorcas, also known as Tabitha in the book of Acts. And the Bible says of her, she was always doing good and helping. I know some people like that. I'm looking at some of them. That you're always doing good and helping. And you come alive spiritually when you're helping and serving. Anyone identify with that? That's when you come alive. That's great. That's how you're wired. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. A way you can strengthen is to serve consistently, not just when the mood takes you. And I would suggest as you serve, pray. 
Now the Bible says that whatever you do, do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. So whenever you serve, pray. And, and as you serve and as you pray, I think that pathway will increase and strengthen your relationship with Jesus. The caution for you is to be careful not to resent others who aren't so keen to serve. Bit of the Martha and Mary syndrome, if you know that story. You know, the one sitting at the feet of Jesus, Mary, Martha's working away. She's the serving one. She's resenting Mary who sat at the feet of Jesus. She'll, she'll come into play in a little while as well. So, so you need to be careful that you don't begin to resent others. And also, remember, you are not primarily a human doing. You're a human being. God doesn't love you more because you serve. God has made you that way. And you, and, it's, and you delight Him when you serve, but He doesn't love you because you serve. He loves you because He loves you. Does that make sense? But as you serve, you will become closer to God. The stretch for you is to balance serving with community. Don't just do, be. Learn to receive as well as to give. Some of you find this really hard, am I right? You want to be the giver. I want to be the giver. I want to serve. I want to serve. You find it really hard just to receive. One of the ways that you will grow in your relationship with God is to learn not only to give, but also to receive. Use words as well as actions. That's another way you can stretch. Number four is the worship pathway. You love to sing. Intellectuals are looking at their watch. You're saying, sing it again, Dan, sing it again. As some of you, you love music. You just love it. It's kind of like worship music is your go-to for every age and stage of your life. So, so every experience of your life. So, so when life is happy, stick some worship music on. When life is sad, stick some worship music on. When life is confusing, stick some... That's just your natural go-to. That's absolutely great. That's how God has made you to be. An example of this would be King David, who loved worship. And, um, and, you know, and that's how he wrote many of the Psalms and, and, and he loved that whole experience. And a way to strengthen for you is to make gathered worship a priority for you. Because if you don't do this very often, it will affect your soul. It will affect your soul. You don't just love listening to worship music on your own. You love listening to worship music with other people. Even those around you who cannot sing a note and are really out of tune, you love it because actually it's a joyful noise and it's doing something to you because that's how you're wired to be. A way you can strengthen that, I would encourage you as well, and maybe even stretch this, is don't just listen to the worship style that you like. Try and listen to some other worship styles as well. Let me be provocative. I've started listening at the moment. Some of you can think you are really old and sad. I've started listening to choral music, okay, in my own personal time, okay, from the Middle Ages and some other stuff. It is so enriching, so different, but it stretches your bandwidth. And I've experienced Jesus in very real and tangible ways as I've ever in, tried to increase the bandwidth of what I listen to. And so I really wanna encourage you to do that. The caution for you, worship guys, is you can become very judgy of others who don't seem as expressive as you are. Am I right? Let me, let me give you an example. How many of you like to raise that, your arms in worship? And this is irony. How many of you don't like to raise your arms in worship? You're not even gonna put your hand up, are you? And the reality is some of us, and maybe you're newer to church and you're thinking, why do people do that? Why do people do this? I wanna just be a little fun with you, okay? Because I think it's good to take ourselves not too seriously, but take God really seriously. And I saw this thing on TikTok this week, uh, this Christian comedian talking about some of the, the hand raising, just to try and get you started. And it was so funny, I'm just gonna give you, he was funnier than I'm gonna be. But anyway, I'm gonna give you a few. So, so there's this hand position, which he called the carrying the TV. All right, so some of you are doing it. Of course, some of you, it's widescreen. 
So you're like this, okay? And then for some of us, it's the, hand, the hand position that's natural for you is the presenting the baby, okay? We've got a seven-year-old granddaughter and, and I'm terrible with little babies. I love toddlers. But Alison says, when I hold Lydia, it's like I'm holding an unexploded bomb, okay? Because that's my hand. That's some of you in worship. But some of you, you're like Mufasa, okay? It's like the circle of life. That's your, for some of you, it's the give God the high five. That's your hand worship. You'll see that around the place. For some of you, it's like we're washing the windows. We're washing the... All of these are hand movements, okay? Why do we do it? Well, we do it because the Bible says to do it. We do it because there's something about aligning your body with your posture as well. We also do it because we want to acknowledge that God is great. We also do it because we want to surrender. There's lots of reasons that we raise our arms. And I want to encourage you, if you've never done that, to give it a go, to stretch. But if that doesn't come naturally to you, it doesn't mean you're not connecting with God. And those of us who are demonstrative, and I'm very demonstrative, I need to be careful that I am not judging others who are not as physically demonstrative as me. Give an example. Alison's not physically demonstrative like I am. But I think sometimes she's so much deep, more deeply in love with Jesus than I am. I'm just an extrovert demonstrative. Doesn't, it's not a sign of spiritual maturity how high you put your arms in the air, okay? But, but as a stretch, as a stretch, if you don't naturally do that, maybe try it. But in the process of trying it, don't let it become like a, like a, like a chain around you. God sees your heart, right? And God knows your heart. So we do that. But listen, the stretch for you, if you're a worship pathway person, is to study. Fill your mind with truth and not just worship and reaction and emotion. Have something in your life that is anchoring you and stretching you to why worship is so important and where the grounding of that is. The other thing I would say is serve. You know, the ultimate expression of worship is not how many songs we sing, but it's how much we serve. It's how much we love. The Bible says in Romans 12, this is your spiritual act of worship that you give your life as a sacrifice, as a serving, honour, worship offering to God. It's not how many songs we sing, it's how we serve and how we give our life. Faith is so much more than sermons and songs, right? This is so important. So that's the worship pathway. Number five, and uh, this is me. I am the activist pathway. I'm a two or three of these, but this is the one that I am most like. Passion and zeal. You have passion and zeal to get stuff done. You have an energy that exhausts others around you. Challenges and setbacks spur you on. You love it. You come alive spiritually when there's a hill to climb or a problem to solve. That's when you come alive, okay? If someone just says, let's sing now and we'll feel close to God, you're like, really? I wanna do something. I wanna change the world. I wanna climb a hill. I wanna solve a problem. That's when you come alive. That's absolutely great. That's how you are made to be. Bible example of this would be Nehemiah who rebuilt the walls of Jerusalem. A way you can strengthen is to get stuck in with something that is worthy and worth it. If you're an activist and you're not plugged in right now, to something for the kingdom of God that is worthy and worth it, don't be surprised when you start to feel disconnected from God. Don't be surprised when you say, I'm not feeling it anymore. I just don't feel close to God. You don't feel close to God because you're not leaning into your pathway. You're made to make a difference. Lean in and you will, that will happen. A caution for you, <laughs> and I know this is because it's true of me, you can run over people in the process. One of the, my strengths is focus and I'm very, very focused and I've said this to you before. Sometimes you, you think I ignore you. I don't ignore you, I just haven't seen you. 
because I'm focused on somebody else. I'm focused on doing something else. I'm trying to slow down. I'm trying to get better with that. But that's a lifelong battle for me. One of the things that I do on a Sunday at the door there, okay, and some of you who I know are coming and chatting and that's great. I love to chat, okay, I'm like that. But I'm there to try and catch with new people, okay? That's why I'm there, to try and say hi to new people. That is so, so important to me. So please don't think that I'm being rude, okay? That's one of the kind of areas that I've got to look at. But it's one of the things that will set you out as well. You have a tendency that you can run over people because you're so focused in the pursuit. One of the ways that you can stretch is... Um, it's to balance activism with solitude. When I discovered this years ago, I discovered this is who I am. And my least one is the contemplative one, okay? Is silence and solitude, which by the way is Alison, okay? And, um, and so what I decided to do years ago, is I decided to really stretch by finding an abbey and spending retreat days in an abbey with a load of nuns. And I did that for years. There was one Stanbrook Abbey in Worcester and it's really not my personality type at all to spend a whole day in an abbey with a bunch of nuns, but I did it. I had some of the most spiritually enriching moments of my life. In fact, the nuns have all moved up to the north of England now. But I really miss it. Sometimes I'd sit with uh, Sister Philippa and she would, um, she would say, let's be silent for 15 minutes together. And I went, are you kidding me? I want to shoot myself. And we would just listen to the Holy Spirit. And then she'd give me a passage of Scripture and I'd spend the rest of the day just meditating on that passage of Scripture. I'd then go into the services at uh, Vespers and Matins and they would sing in Latin, choral music. You're all looking at me like I'm totally gone out. But for me, it was a stretch because it's not my natural wiring. But, I, but in the stretch, you can meet Jesus. Now, I'm going to lean in to my natural wiring, but I'm going to stretch by doing something different. Right, we're going to move on because of time. Number six is the contemplative one. This is Alison, okay? You love uninterrupted time alone. Reflection comes naturally to you and it's how you sense the presence of God. You have a large capacity for prayer. You love people, but when you're around a lot of people, it drains you and you need to replenish on your own. That's how you are made and how you are wired. Don't ever think that's an inadequacy or something less than. It's how you are made. Bible example would be Mary, the sister of Martha. Remember, Martha's the serving one, but Mary's the contemplative one. A way you can strengthen is to give yourself permission to be who you are and to set time aside. Alison set a couple of days off last week and went away on, on a place on her own for a couple of days just to reflect and recharge. She needed that. I needed her to have that. She, we both needed her to have that. She needed to be away from me, okay? I get that. I understand that. Uh, and that's important that you lean into that as well. But one of the cautions for you, avoid the temptation to retreat as a means of escaping from people. You need to recharge on your own, but don't just use that as a, as a, as a retreat from people or to deny some of the real issues. Don't get judgy, the Mary and Martha thing as well. And I would say the stretch is to actively serve and intentionally connect. Act, actively serve and intentionally connect. The other thing that in the book it says, which I think is really funny, the other way that you can stretch this is team up with an activist. So there you go. We've done it. Because the balance of that, Alison really balances me and I think I balance her. That's so, so important. It's not just about marriage. It's having people in your life that you can team up with. Okay. And the final one is creation. 
You love being outside. You feel alive spiritually when you're outside. This was never me, okay? This was one of my weakest ones. Alison loves this one. This is one of her strong ones. And she would often say to me, let's just go for a walk. And I'd say, why? <laughs> like, why? Where are we going? And she said, we're not going anywhere. And I said, so why are we doing it? So we are going to enjoy the scenery. Really? Okay, we're going to look at trees. Fabulous. I have changed as I've got older. But you know, you love being outside because for you, you naturally feel alive. You naturally feel close to God when you are outside. And I thought, what's, what's a Bible example of this? And some of you are gonna love this. Jesus. Okay, and you think, yep, that's me, I'm Jesus. You might be Dorcas, you might be Peter. Um, no, Jesus is actually the one who encapsulates all of these pathways. But Jesus, there was something about Jesus that he loved to be outside. He loved to retreat to the lake and to the mountain. There was something about his connection with the Father that was accelerated, I think, when he was outside. So strengthen, get outside, immerse yourself in creation, Caution, the danger of escaping into creation to get away from people who actually are the centrepiece of God's creation. One of the ways that you can stretch is to stay connected relationally and in terms of community. You get disappointed with people like we all do and you think, hey, I don't need people, I've got the, I've got the hills. I don't need people, I've got the woods. I don't need people, I've got the sea, I've got the mountains. Listen, People are the centrepiece of God's creation. Lean in, but don't lean out of relationships. So, so important. So what do you do next? What do you do next? Well, I think the first thing is identify you. So I hope as we've tracked through this this morning, that it's been helpful, maybe eye-opening for some of you, maybe reminding for some of you. And I want you to identify the one that you think is the most like you. Now, don't get hung up, okay? You'll say, yeah, but sometimes I'm like this and I get all that. What's the one instinctively that is most like you? The second thing is lean in. Give yourself permission to lean in to who you are and to strengthen who you are. But the third one is learn from. Learn from the others. So for me as an activist, I want to push into the one that is the opposite for me. That's the contemplative. And then finally, help others. You know, instead of saying, hey, why don't you just put your hands up like I do? Say, hey, how are you made? How do you connect with God? How can we help you find a pathway that you can grow in your relationship with God? Because listen, our mission as a church is to help people find and follow Jesus. And we will follow Jesus, hopefully over a lifetime and into an eternity. And the more we follow Him, the closer we get to Him, the more His life flows in us and through us. And we're here to help others find and follow Jesus. I would love you this week in your connect groups to use this material and to pull out the, the, the strengths of each other and say, hey, I see that in you, Martin. You know, why don't you lean into that a little bit more, Alison? You know, Ruth, why don't you, you know, you're great at that. Maybe here's a stretch. Let's help others find a pathway to grow and develop their relationship with Jesus. So I want you to look as we draw into close and I'm gonna pray for you, all of you, hopefully in a minute. Which one of these pathways is most like you? So in our locations here in the room, if you identify and say relational, that's the most like me, would you stand? If you say, I think that's me. I'm a relational pathway person, okay? I want you just to stand. It's a bit weird, isn't it? But it's different. Father, we pray for these amazing people who love people 
And we love the fact that they love people. God, we pray today that You would release them to be who they fully are. And they are fully alive in You when they are around people. We get the benefit of that. We applaud that. We are grateful for that. Jesus, would You lead them in their pathway in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thank you guys, you're amazing. What about the intellectual pathway? Those of you who want to admit that, that you come alive spiritually when you're reading, studying and debating, that's fine. Don't be embarrassed, guys, just do it. Fantastic. And those of you online in Hagley and Rowley and Clibbury, those of you online, maybe you want to indicate which one you are because I want to pray for you. Father, we thank you for these people that love your Word, that love truth, that love grappling and wrestling and debating. And we are better because of them in our life. God, I pray that You would encourage and strengthen them. Lord, forgive us when, when maybe we've not quite understood them and they felt not understood around us as well. God, thank You for the brains and the heart and the ability that You've given these people. And we pray that as they study and as they grapple, they would love You more. They would love You more and that would spill over to us in Jesus' Name. Amen. Bless you guys. How about the servers amongst us? Oh, you're not here. You're in the kitchen, aren't you? You're not even here. Do you mean you're getting the lunch on? You're Those of you that love serving, you come alive when you're serving other people. Fantastic. Fantastic. Amazing. God, God, we are so grateful for an army of servants who love you and who love serving you and serving people. God, I pray a blessing. But Lord, I also pray that you'd refresh and strengthen these guys. Because these guys sometimes do too much. They do too much because they love so much. But God, You don't love them because of what they do. You love them because of who they are. May they know that. And as they serve, may they know Your smile on their lives. And then as they stop serving, may they know Your smile on their lives. And may they be restored in Jesus' Name. Amen. And the worship pathway, those of you that love to sing. And if you want to stand for more than one, you can, all right? There are a lot of singers here. Yeah. All right, all raise it. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> Jesus, we thank You for these amazing bunch of people that love to sing, that love to worship, that love to bless Your Name. God, may they inspire us as well because we're all called to be worshippers as well. God, in their worship of You, I pray that they'd experience You even when life is tough, that when worship that almost hurts like hell heals like heaven. When it hurts like hell, may it heal like heaven in Jesus' Name. Thank You, God, for these amazing people. Bless them. Amen. And how about the activists? How about the activists? Those of you like me, I'm standing handy. (laughs) Thank You, Jesus. Father, thank You for the passion and the energy of these people. Thank You that here's people that love challenges and love mountains to climb and come alive spiritually when there's something at stake. God, keep their passion and their zeal alive in Jesus' Name. And may they not get weary in doing good, but may You sustain them and strengthen them with energy in Jesus' Name. And thank You, take your seats. The contemplatives, those of you that love silence and love solitude, yeah, brilliant, so good. Guys, thank You, guys, for these amazing people. Lord, thank You for the depth that they have. Thank You for the centeredness that they bring to us. And we would be less if we didn't have people like this in our lives. So God, would You bless them? 
and encourage them, stretch them and grow them. May they know that they are valuable in the community that we call the church. In Jesus' Name, Amen. And those of you that are creation people, you love being outside. Father, we thank You that just like Jesus, these people love it when they're in Your creation. It speaks to them of the Creator, of the One who created. Father, would You bless them and encourage them and release them. But God, also at the same time, may they not be tempted to say, hey, I've got a field, I don't need a community. You know, I've got a mountain, I don't need a church. Because God, God, the centrepiece of creation is not a field or a mountain or a lake, it's human beings. So God, in their exploration of You in creation, may they come back and engage with people with a renewed energy and a passion in Jesus' Name. Amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand and uh, we're going to finish our time. I hope that's been helpful to you. I really encourage you to take the sheet away with you. Please don't leave it here. Take it away with you. Think about it. Pray about it. But I ask the guys if they do this song, because this song repeats the phrase, I am a child of God. And that's what I want you to go away with this morning. That whatever your pathway is, whatever your journey is, if you know Jesus, you are a child of God. You don't need to be a slave to comparison. You don't need to be a slave to intimidation or inferiority. You don't need to be like anybody else because you are a child of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Let's worship and let's celebrate Him.